over 30 years of serving the Arizona homeowner. 14 years in a row ranking Arizona's best referral network. RosieOnTheHouse.com Protecting you, informing you, and educating you. It's Rosie on the House. Come on back in, y'all. We are every Arizona homeowner's happy place. We're here to inform, protect, and entertain you on each and every topic having to do with maintaining, repair, or remodeling of your house, home, castle, or cabin. And in particular, this hour, we're going to add one topic to that, buying. So if you know anyone in the market searching for that first home or maybe that first move-up home, Call them now and tell them to tune in because they're going to be getting, they're going to be giving some tips from old Rose on things you need to know about before you jump into that first escrow agreement. So, Rosie on the house, we've been voted Arizona's number one homeowner resource and contractor referral directory for 14 years running. I don't want you to even think about touching your house until you touch base with us here at Rosie on the House. We're free information from a builder and a remodeler who's been doing it in Phoenix and throughout Arizona for 48 years. Put our experience to work for you. Get it done, Rosie Wright. You can ask any question you'd like while we're here live on the radio the next couple hours, one 767 My wife, sweet Jennifer, of 40, we got an anniversary coming up here in a week. We do, 45. That'll be 45 years. Uh, she'll answer the call, get your name, where in Arizona you're calling from, what your question is, and I'll get to you as quick as I can. We currently have Clark calling from South Scottsdale. Hold on one sec, Clark. I'll get right there. So allow me the privilege to putting my remodeling, building, and maintaining maintenance repair work experience for you. Whether you're new to Arizona or you've been here your whole life, this is where I have established my entire home building and remodeling career. So do yourself a favor. Give us a call. It's free, and it is Arizona-specific. So we're going to open this hour with the introduction on what you need to be thinking about as you're considering buying that first house but before we get to topic clark's been very patient holding let's get him we say we're a call-in talk show let's take calls good morning clark well good morning rosie it's been a few years has it since we have have we have we talked before yes and miss jennifer said i could give a shout out to day and night plumbing okay you did a bang up job for me last year awesome okay good good one of our rosie plumbing rosie Yep. I've detected a leak in my main service line, water line outside. Okay. And I know it's the main service line because I shut off the valve cock and monitored the water meter. I'm losing a cubic foot per hour of water. Okay. Can they reline that pipe like it's shown on TV, or do they have to do it the old-fashioned way? Um, th- you're going to be better off. Seeing that's a supply line. How old is the house, Clark? 41 years. Yeah, okay. Con- considering, and so 
let me let me just clarify the picture in my mind. The water comes into the house at what we call the manifold. You turned that off and left the water meter out at the street turned on, and you were still losing water. Yes. Okay. All right, so you had that valve shut off, and you're confident that valve is a positive shutoff. Yes. You're not seeing any surface water pooling or ponding anywhere between the manifold or the meter. No. Okay. So what I would do is I would get to the nursery store, and I would get a soil probe, And between that manifold and that meter, I would just start sticking that down in the ground. Wherever that water's leaking, you're going to hit a squishy spot. And you're going to be able to narrow it down to a particular area. The fact that it's 40 years old tells me that that very well could be copper. It very well could be PVC. It may just be a, a, a peephole that needs to be repaired in that section. And if you can narrow it down, you're going to cut the amount of time a plumber has to spend looking for it, dig it up, excavate it, and just see, did a rock rub just a little surface hole through a piece of copper? Uh, If so, we can just replace that. 40 years old, you may take a look at it. An experienced plumber may take a look at it and say, you know what? Let's dig the whole thing up and replace it from the meter to the manifold and be done with it. Now, if you do that, 40 years old, when I turned the water off to your house, or Clark, when you turned the water off to your house, was it a 90-degree turn on a lever, or was it the old clock dial gate valve you had to turn righty-tighty, lefty-loosey? No, it was a ball cock, a 90-degree turn. Good, good. Okay. So you're in good shape there. Uh, if, If the plumber's there, you might have them do a pressure test on the house, make sure you're running between 60 and 70 pounds. That would be the time to put a pressure regulator on if you wanted to. Uh, But start with that soil probe and see if you can't just narrow down the area that the leak's occurring. Uh, You could even start digging at that point. Take a look at it yourself and see what you decide. But you you use day and night. They're a great operation. Uh, Narrow it down, leave the soil probe stuck in the ground and say, I think it's right there. Let's go look and and uh, go from there. Okay, I'll get a probe. There you go. Thank you, Rosie. The probe's an extremely handy tool. Uh, it, John Jay and I were talking just last hour about watering and the fact that in his garden, he likes that soaker hoses. Uh, I, I do a combination in my garden. I do soaker hoses and I do sprays because I just like to wet everything down every once in a while. Uh, but the, the soil probe is not an expensive tool. It's a long handle, about 30, 36 inches tall, with a sharp point and a T-handle on the top. And you walk to wherever you're probing, and it's a great way to test, are you watering your lawn enough? How far can you send that probe down into your turf? You ought to be able to probe it down in there a good four, five, six inches. You can also go to your trees when you're watering them for long duration of time and just check how deep am I getting in on that root ball? Am I, am I down there six inches, eight inches, a foot, 18 inches, 24 inches? Soil probe is just a great little yard tool to have. You'll find many uses for it, Clark. All right, we've got Jerry. We've got Linda. Let me just take a minute while we're lining up your questions and introduce you to the topic of the hour, which is buying that first home. 
I hope any of you aunts, uncles, grandparents, or parents that have a younger couple, a younger person interested in that person, I hope you, I hope you called them and told them to tune in. So you've saved up enough for that down payment. You're going to get into that house, or maybe you were able to sweet talk it out of your parents. One way or another, you've got the down payment. When Jennifer and I bought our first house in 1979, you know, I had to sign a paper promising that I saved that money myself, and none of it that I was using for a down payment was a gift. (laughs) I couldn't even go to my dad and ask him to help me. I had to sign a document saying I saved that money. So you're going to go in and you're going to open an escrow, and if you're dealing with a smart realtor, that realtor is going to represent you, the buyer. And there are going to be some built-in protections for you. And you want to make sure they're there because you don't want to make that first step and make it a mistake. So one of the things you're going to want to do, and the realtors will all virtually do this, is they'll say, look, we're going to give you a down payment to take this house out of escrow, take it off the market. And we're going to get a home inspection done. And my client, the buyer, has the right to back out of this deal for any reason given once we see the written report. Make sure your realtor is is protecting you in that regard. The other thing I would ask a realtor to do is, uh, particularly for a first-time home buyer, try and buy the home in as close to original condition as possible. I can tell you at my company, Rosie Wright Design Build Remodeling, we have made a very good living the last 10 years, fixing all the homes that were flipped back in the housing crisis of 08, 09, 10, and 11. Thousands and thousands of homes were flipped by unlicensed contractors, investors using unlicensed contractors, and not pulling permits. And we have done pretty well at Rosie Wright Remodeling for the unfortunate home buyer that's bought that home and discovered discovery after discovery after discovery, all the things that were done wrong. So tip number one from old Rosie is buy a home in as close to original condition as possible. And I'm going to give you a point too, and it may be the most important point of the whole process. And I'll give it to you right after this. I can sure remember the first time Jennifer and I jumped in a realtor's car and he drove us around town. We were contemplating moving out of our apartment over on the ASU campus and uh, buying that first home. And uh, it was was kind of nerve-wracking, yet it was awfully exciting. We found the home we thought was uh, the one for us and we made an offer and actually ended up being the first home we had together. I've learned a few things since then. That, that was back about 1979 or 1980. Uh, and one of the things I've learned it, that we didn't even do home inspections back then. That's something that came in much later. Home inspections have done a lot to open the eyes of the buyers. Something else that's supposed to open the eyes 
of the buyer is a report the seller is supposed to fill out. It's called a SPUDS report abbreviation, and it's supposed to be where they disclose everything they know about the house. Has the house ever had termites? Has the house ever had mold? Has the house ever had remodeling done without a building permit? Uh, I take those SPUDS reports hugely skeptically. I just assume nothing on that report is correct, and I go out and seek it and research it myself. So I told you the first thing about buying that first home is work with a good realtor who will protect you, the buyer, okay? The second thing you're going to do, and this is probably the most important tip I can give any new home buyer, is whatever the address is of that property, go to the building department that's responsible for that area. So if you're buying in the city of Mesa, in the city of Gilbert, in the city of Glendale, Phoenix, Scottsdale, go to those building departments and give them the address of that property and see, has a permit ever been pulled? Anybody with any amount of experience ought to be able to look at the house and determine if anything was changed or modified, additioned, whatever. And if it's obvious something has been done and that you have no record of a building permit, you ought to have red lights going off inside your head and inside your wallet because chances are they did it nights and evenings themselves thinking they were a qualified electrician. I can't tell you the number of homeowners that call me and say, well, we did that addition, but because we didn't change any structure, we didn't need a permit. Well, but, but you increased the size of the electric panel. Yeah, but we didn't change the structure, so we didn't pull a permit for that. Well, but you added like four new circuits to that room and a mini split air conditioner. Yeah, but we didn't do any structure, so we didn't need a permit for that. Uh, folks, there's very little you can do at your house without requiring a permit. So that's the biggest tip I can give you today. If I could be king for a day, if I could be dictator of the world, I would say that much like Carfax, where you plug in the serial number of the car you're looking at, it will tell you how many T-bone accidents it's been in, how many uh, fender benders it's been in. And they should have a similar track record for houses. You ought to be able to plug the address in and see every permit that was or wasn't ever pulled. Then if you see the permit was pulled, it has to be pulled under the name of someone. Generally, you want that to be a licensed contractor, okay? If it was pulled by the owner, then you have the obligation, you have the right to ask the owner for a list of the subcontractors that perform the work on that house. And let's see how many of those were licensed contractors. Many times what you'll find is the job wasn't permitted. It was done by a bunch of fraternity brothers and old friends and good buddies from work late at night and weekends, and none of them were licensed. They had done some electrical work in high school, and now they're rewiring this room. So tip one, use a realtor and make sure that realtor is watching out for you. Building in protections 
uh, to give you outs should you discover something in the research of the home that makes you uneasy. Number two, always check with the building department. And if it's out in the county, well, check with the county building department. They, they have building permit requirements as well. And just those two things, getting the written report from an authorized home inspector and then verifying whether any work has ever been done with or without a permit are two of the key components you're going to want before you jump through the loop of opening an escrow. Now, there's other things you need to think about, and I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, when... You know, it, when, when I bought my first house, uh, and, for, and the standard was for a long time, that whatever your take-home pay was, you shouldn't exceed your mortgage payment of about one-fourth of your take-home pay. So if you made $1,000 a month, your house payment shouldn't be over 250 bucks. And that standard has drifted up a little bit. Now they'll go up to about 30 33%. But what I like to tell new, new homeowners is let's keep it as low as we can for the first home because what people don't often do, or they don't do it often enough, is budgetary budget that maintenance item in. And you're going to need a new air conditioner. You're going to need a new dishwasher. You're going to need a new water heater. You're going to need a new roof. You're going to need to be painting the house. You need to be putting away a little bit every month into that maintenance account so that when something comes up, you've got it covered. And I don't think I have to repeat this very many more times because I've said it so many times. I am not a fan of home warranties. If you're buying it, I would tell the seller, I don't want a home warranty. I'm going to contact my homeowner's insurance guy, and I'm going to ask him how much a rider will cost to cover the large appliances, and I want you to cover my homeowner's insurance. We're going to get into that. I think that topic is coming up in detail, like maybe even next is, week. Is it next week? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to beat that to death. I'll beat that to death next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, y'all, welcome to join the conversation. We had several people line up. We took care of their questions. Lines are open now, 1 888. 767-4348. When we get back, we'll take your calls and continue on the lesson of what you need to do in buying and you need to know in buying that first or second home. Come on in, Arizona homeowners. We're talking through things you should know in preparing to buy, in particular, that first home. Or maybe you made a couple mistakes in that first purchase, and you're now preparing the first move-up home. And here are some lessons you might well put to work to protect yourself. If you're contemplating buying or you're trying to tackle something around your house right now, our lines are open. You can give us a ring at one 767 
48. Jennifer will grab you and we'll get you on air just as quick as we can to answer whatever it is that you're trying to tackle around your house, home, castle, or cabin. We're talking about that first home buying experience. And I'll, I'll tell you another tip. I told you two really great tips earlier, but here's another tip. When you hear location, 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 that's very, very critical, okay? Decide what it is that you want to be around. Take a look. You can do a very objective analysis, and you can say, well, this house at this neighborhood is so many dollars a square foot for livable area, but it's got some big patios, which I'm going to compile into that because big covered back patios are worth a lot to me, and the lot is this big, and this is how much it's costing per square foot of lot, and compare that objectively to square foot prices of livable and patio and lot size to the other one. You can do all these objective analysis but i'm telling you a young married couple something i learned very very quick didn't need to didn't need a rocket scientist to show me this we got it down to where we were looking about three or four houses and i just asked one question honey which one do you want (laughs) (laughs) and whichever one she says go with it just (laughs) just go with it that's the third tip from old rose the other thing I want you to do, and a good realtor will give you this advice, is get with a get with a lending company that you trust, and have them pre-approve you, so you're not shopping beyond your means. The worst thing you could do in your home buying experience, and I know thousands of people that have made my, this mistake, is you is you put yourself into a mortgage that you become a slave to, and you can't afford to do anything other than just squeezing that payment out every single month. Not only are you not putting away for future maintenance, but your entertainment budget has been moved to zero. Your travel budget has been moved to zero. Your fund budget has been moved to zero, and you become a slave to the mortgage. I I couldn't encourage you more to shop conservatively so you can always have the opportunity to have some wiggle room in that in that mortgage payment. It's much more fun to be the person on the block whose maintenance is all done rather than the one that everybody's like, hmm, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's true. Very true. So get that analysis done of what your income is, what your current expenses are. And we call it a pre-approval letter. And the mortgage company basically says, okay, after looking at your credit score, after looking at your income stream and your budget and your expenses, we're going to pre-approve you to buy a house for this much money. Well, start shopping for houses that much or less, okay? Don't start trying to make excuses or rationalize why you can afford something 10, 15, or 20% more than that. You'll end up becoming that slave to your home. And uh, it, it's, it's a miserable experience, particularly when something goes wrong and you've got no wiggle room to uh, fix it or repair it. And then you're living uh, kind of in a compromised state for some amount of time. And I tell young couples, I said, look, in my mind, in my experience, and I think in the experience of most Americans, home buying is the first step up that rung of the American dream. Uh, I would tell you not to put off that first buy. Uh, There are housing booms and busts, absolutely. 
But the population is always going to need a roof over their head. They're always going to want a warm bed to sleep in or a cool bed in the summer. A home is about as safe a place to invest as you can possibly get, particularly if it's one you're going to move into and take care of. So I would tell you, buy lower than you want to, get in as soon as you can. So buy conservatively and get in quickly with a realtor and a home inspector that's going to guard you and protect you from the backside. And then you just need to learn about us, Roselle in the House, because then every time you're trying to get something done or trying to get something finished or fixed, repaired, whether you whether you want to try and do it yourself or you want somebody to refer a good tradesman to take care of it, technician, uh, we can do that for you as well. Now, as far as other questions that we've been getting all week long, and we get questions all week long, folks, both on the website, rosellenhouse.com, uh, and at the office. Uh, and, and we do have open lines if you want to ring in, one 767 And one other but, way is you can text us at 411-923, and I keep that open, and I can field those questions to Rosie for you. But that's a really great time to call in and get your answers. I sure would like to hear from somebody who's thinking about a house. This is such valuable information. I mean, you could really get tripped up, um, you know, if, if you don't have some a good sound uh, advice person in your life, you know, somebody who can really consult with. Um, if you, you know, you could overcommit, um, you could make a bad investment. It's a big one. It's a really big one. It could, you know, you don't want to get into something and not be able to afford it afterwards. Or, no. You know, just in, when you're young, especially if you're a young home buyer, sometimes you don't realize, you know, life kind of holds some hard ups and downs, and you could be in a situation where, um, you know, you weren't able to keep up. So, On the topic of home improvement, Gary, I'm going to go off. I'm going I'm to pivot here just a little bit. We've got a text here, uh, <laughs> and it's for you. It's for Gary? Uh, yeah, it's for Gary. Oh, it's for me? It's, it's a Must be about music. It is. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they want to know, in in the openings of your podcast episodes with a Zydeco instrumental, who does that? Well, uh, I, think, I think we've got a big selection, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And there were a couple of them I had on <laughs> file, and I lost them. But one of them, I can tell you, is down at the Twist and Shout by Mary Chapin Carpenter and our buddies Beausoleil oh. down there in, in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um uh, so that's uh, that's the one though you definitely want to get hold of, down at the Twist and Shout. In oh. fact, she performed that at the Super Bowl many years ago with Beausoleil, and I believe that was at the Superdome. And she's going to be in town very soon. She's aren't you glad you asked? Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Gary's got like this rolodex of music in his head. Yeah, it's... Gary, it sounds like this. It has these few notes. Man, he's got it. it when I bought my first home, that's how I entertained myself with my brain, coming up with all these crazy songs all that right. I remember. Right. <laughs> Where was your first home? Lafayette. It was. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting because, um, okay, I'm going to keep the short version of this. We were, uh, me and some high school friends of mine, we were following these fire trucks to a fire. And we, we wanted to see what was on fire, and we cut through this neighborhood parked in front of this house, and we could see there was an apartment complex they were building that was completely up in flames. Oh, okay? man. Fast forward six, seven years later, I ended up buying the house we parked in front of. Oh, what? It, it, <laughs> when, when I was with the realtor, pulled into the, parking, uh, the, the uh, driveway, and I looked at the house, and I looked at my mom and went, we parked in front of this house 
when that place was on fire. And For the event. Little, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, again, uh, within my means. Uh, also, you know, learn learn some basic housekeeping. Amen. Stuff, you know, keep your tools. We talked about the tools that basic you should have. Tools, basic yeah. tools. Keep those. They'll come in handy and fix things that you can fix. Now, for someone that's owned a home in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, Dallas, Texas as well, right? Uh, and No, I didn't. And, I, I you didn't own? Okay. Yeah. And, and Scottsdale, and where Scottsdale. you are now and have mm-hmm. been for a long time. How unique is the Arizona home ownership? I mean, you have to deal with a lot of different things than you have to deal with that house in Lafayette. Well, no humidity helps. Yeah. You know, um, I'm lucky because I have a block home. And those, uh, the maintenance on it isn't that bad. I will say this, though. One tool that I found when I bought my home in Scottsdale that really comes in handy, a 16-gallon shop vac. Okay. All and right. I'll tell you All why. Right. All right. Uh, just a few Is weeks ago. Is that a wet dry? And a wet dry. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, I've had uh, leaks in the kitchen. I had water all over the floor. And I was like, eh, no big deal. I did it myself. Dried everything up. In fact, I just had a, a water heater leak uh, just a few weeks ago. Got that cleaned up, caught it in time. But you can use that inside, and you can use it outside for, you know, uh, gardening, sweeping up leaves, and all this other stuff. So I, I always would throw in there, if you, you know, the first thing you should get, 16-gallon shop vac. All right. <laughs> Very go. good. I, I don't know that I've ever not had a shop vac. Yeah. I, it, it, I mean, it, it virtually... Every week, you've got to do something with a shop vac. Yeah, and it's universal. You can do anything with it. You can pick up anything. Small animals, be careful. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I like the ones now that you can actually invert and use it for a little mini blower. Just it, kind of blow off a few little areas. And, and I have uh, rock landscape in the backyard. I blow the leaves against the uh, wall and then Pile them up. up all at one time. And that's my um, uh, mulch for the tree. Okay. There you go. All right, so we're here talking about buying that first home and tips and advice from old Rose. We do have a caller. He's reached in. Uh, Matt has a question. Uh, Let's see if we can help him out. Good morning, Matt. Hey, good morning, Rosie. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, my question is, um, I'm hula-hoeing weed, and I (laughs) want to know if I should save some for you for later this afternoon. I know. No, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring post. Right. Well, I, I'll, I'll bring post emergent. <laughs> hey, my question is: um, I've got my water main. Um, the water meter is in my driveway, um, and there's some cracking, uh, and it looks like it's sinking down a little bit. I had the city come and take a look to see if um, it's an issue. They said that somebody at some point turned it because they don't put water mains or water meters at an angle, which I, I don't know how somebody could do that without a permit or without uh, an inspection or without water going everywhere. But I'm wondering, should I be concerned about that? Is that it, it's right under the driveway where I, I kind of back over it to park. And I don't know if that's something that needs to be on my radar as a, I have to get this taken care of right away or just, Something that I watch. Uh, something you just watch. That water meter box in the driveway has got a steel lid over the top of it, right? Correct. Yeah, and it's in a concrete box. If it's not leaking, the cracks in a driveway could be caused by a hundred things, and just concrete in its lifespan cracks. That's just what concrete does. 
Then you have to decide, is this an expansion crack? Is this a stress crack? At the point we can determine it's a stress crack, then we're going to want to make sure we don't have a small leak where the moisture underneath that slab is getting and or staying wet, either causing some collapsing or possibly even even some heaving. But uh, there are lots of water meters located in driveways. Uh, it's, it's not the best uh, ideal situation, but you're not alone. Watch it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it concern me too much. You're, you're safe to drive over it as much as you want. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Can, can I throw another question at you? As long as it had not to do with a hula ho. Oh, well, then never mind. Um, no, actually, it, it, I've got a, uh, you came out and took a look at my, the dry well for my pool where my pool back washes. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I need to tie that into um, the clean out. And I was planning on doing it myself, but here a year and a half later, I still haven't gotten around to it. Okay. So, um, I, I'm probably going to hire somebody to do it, but I've called a couple of rosy plumbers and they said, it's not something they would do. I should call a, a pool guy. I called the pool guy. They said they wouldn't do that because it's the clean out and I should call a plumber. So I didn't know if you had an well, idea of who try, I could reach, reach out yeah, to for that. Try this, Matt. On our website, uh, look up landscapers. And uh, Core Landscaping does a lot of plumbing, irrigation system modifications. The man's name that owns that company is Aaron. Call Aaron. And let him know I gave him your name and number, and uh, talk to him about what you're trying to get done. I'll I'll bet you that's something Aaron would uh, be more than happy to get over there and, and take care of. Matt, thanks for the call. Now we've got all the phones lit up right now with all the questions. We'll get to them just as soon as we get back. Right after this. Making your house your home. That's what we do at Rosie on the House for the Arizona homeowners. Uh, Jennifer has been screening a lot of calls here. Let's see if we can get to them, Gary. Why don't you bring Bruce into the conversation and see if I can't help Bruce a little bit. Good, good, good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How are you, Rosie? Very well. See, uh, the reason I'm calling is two things. First is I have a Hans Grohe faucet. We have them in, in both bathrooms at our home, and um, one of the the diffusers it will not come off. It, it just is so tight. The other one comes off by hand, and this one, I don't think I've ever gotten it off. I think it was on, came from the factory that way, and um, I don't want to tear up the faucet because they're such, it's like a piece of art. They're so nice, but <laughs> I need to change that diffuser. Well, and, and this is a lavatory faucet? It is. At a sink. Uh, so it's not like a, it, it doesn't come out of the handle as a sprayer. It's a fixed faucet. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it comes out of the faucet, goes directly at an angle towards the sink. And it's kind of a, a crazy size too, because it doesn't appear to be that it's not metric and it doesn't appear to be um, American. American, <laughs> it, uh, like a three quarters doesn't fit it. And a 22 millimeter doesn't fit it. It's too small, and the 23 is too big. It's just 
Man, kind of perplexing to me. But you have two identical, so you know how it comes off. This one that won't come off is simply just stuck. And what I do is uh, I go to Jennifer's kitchen drawers, and she has these rubber mats when she wants to open a can or a jar that grips the jar lid a little bit tighter so her hand doesn't slip. She has a couple that are also hot pads that are made out of that same rubber. I take that or an old bicycle tube or something. I wrap that around the diffuser. I get in there with a pair of channel locks, and I, I, I sense as tight as I can hold it when, the, when to stop, and then I try and force it. You'll know if it's going to break loose or not, but if that, if that vice grip, that channel lock starts sliding across the surface, you know, you're scratching, and at that point, the rubber gasket will avoid it. But that's a, Bruce, that's about the only way you're going to be able to try. Now, the other little trick that you might try, uh, we were talking about all the things Rosie uses for fire in weed control in his yard. You might take a plumber's torch and just try and warm the collar of the diffuser up just a little bit to get it to grow. Sometimes if it grows one one one-hundredth of an inch, it's just enough to break it through from the mineral deposits that are holding it and locking it in place. Uh, If it weren't a plumbing fixture, you could do a lot of other things like CLR and WD-40 and things like that. But try dry heat first. Those are the two tricks I know that uh, will generally work when I'm stuck in the same position you're stuck in right there. And in a fixture like that, it's expensive enough. You want to be good and safe. Talking this hour, wrapping up right now, about buying tips for your home. I'd like you, uh, there's, there's just a lot of information here that you really need to know to proceed. If you are shopping for a home or you know someone that's shopping a home, make sure you send them to my website, rosieonthehouse.com. In today's homepage, there are tips for first-time homebuyer. It is the article I've been talking through this past hour. In that article, there are no less than six or seven links to other critical topics that are closely related to buying that first home. You take the time to look this over, click through the links, get the education you need, and you're going to be in a much better position to be buying that home smartly, intelligently, and one you can live with for a long, long time. I see where Jackie is called in. I'm not going to have time to take you, Jackie, but don't hang up. I can't take you live on air, but uh, you won't be disappointed. You'll get an answer to your question. More for another hour of Rosie on the House. We'll be talking a little bit about landscaping trends in the 10 o'clock hour, as well as any question you might have you'd like an answer to about your house, home, castle, or cabin. 